Uh, it's great to have you with us today. If you're a visitor, excuse me just for a moment while I deal with a domestic matter. If anyone knows where the flipping baptistry plug is, please see me very soon. <laughs> a big round of applause for the two Peters who fixed it for us today. And just to say, I might be so excited at the end of what I've said that I'll forget to tell you folk up in the balcony uh, that when we have communion, if you could stay there, that would help us enormously because we've got the children and everybody coming back into church as well. You stay there, we'll uh, take the stress out of it and bring it, up, and bring it all up to you at that point in the service. Celebrating life. It's hard to believe that we're, that we're at the end of our 40 days. It doesn't seem like five minutes ago we packed out the church halls for our launch meal. And now, 40 daily devotions, six small group studies, and uh, eight Sunday services later, here we are. Well done, everybody, for traveling this journey of 40 days. And so if you are just visiting us today, you've arrived at what is for us the end of a 40-day journey that for our church has been quite exciting. And we're going to remember, just for these few minutes, some of the exciting things that we have shared and some of the themes that we have looked at over these past six weeks. Because they're themes ultimately not just for us in our lives, those of us who've done 40 days, but they are themes for everybody to think about on an Easter Sunday. I have to say, it's been quite a fantastic six weeks There have been some marvellous moments, and I'm not sure which ones you will remember the most. Will it be that launch when the young people served us, and we sat for an hour and a half, gripped to the big screen as Rick Warren unpacked the themes of our journey for us? Will it be when we covered our church with hands, and on each hand was one of our names, a reminder that we all belong together in this place? Will it be the sea of faces that stood at the end of one of the morning messages to say that they wanted to take belonging to this church much more seriously through membership, friendship, partnership, and even some people standing to say, I want to treat people in this church like family. You may remember how we shared the peace together. It was for me one of the most moving moments of our time. God building family here. I was proud. To belong. What will it be? Will you remember the morning when we came dressed up as superheroes? Or when we packed out the hall with all the ministries that uh, take place through our church here? What a fantastic way to end our morning on serving. Or will it be what was happening in your small groups? That time someone in your small group shared something from their heart and you couldn't hear a pin drop. You could have heard, rather, a pin drop. Was it the time when someone in your group prayed out loud for the very first time and everyone said, Amen? Or was it what was happening in your home that your children and your teenagers were talking about and learning the same kind of things that you were talking about and learning about? Was it when they could remember the memory verse and you couldn't? Six packed weeks here at Burlington Baptist Church. And the Bible says that we are to remember. And if you are using uh, the outlines that were handed to you at the beginning of the service, you will see that verse there right at the top. The Bible says we are to remember. 
Remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. The Bible says don't just remember what's happened, all the good times you've had, but remember what you've learned. Now the best thing for me about these 40 days is the countless conversations I've had with different people about what they say they've been learning. People have had fresh revelation of things from God, maybe things they've understood in their heads for a long time, but now suddenly making that journey to their hearts. People have been learning and challenged in new and different areas of their lives. And because we've been learning, we've been growing. My youngest son is 11 weeks old, and he's dead cute. But I still want him to grow. God thinks you are dead cute as you are, but he really still wants you to grow. And because we've been growing as people, we've been seeing the fruit of God's kingdom in new and different ways. These six weeks have been more fruitful in the life of our church than I've ever known since coming 11 years ago. We have seen more people connected to small groups than we've ever had in our church. Your small group leaders tell me that your commitment to your small group has been remarkable over these last weeks. There have been more conversations right, about our, right across our church community about faith and commitment and trusting God for his purpose for our lives. Friendships have taken on a new dimension. More people are asking for baptism in this short period than I've ever known. People are asking for membership. People are asking how they can get involved in playing their part in seeing this church become all that God wants her to be. And our services, as many of you have said, have reached a new level of life and excitement in God's spirit. It's been a fantastic time because it has been what God has been doing. You see, those of you who love Rick Warren can thank God that God has used his ministry to do all this stuff in our church. Those of you who can't stand Rick Warren can thank God that God's done all this stuff despite him. How fantastic is that? You see, it's a win-win situation because it's not about Rick Warren and it's not about purpose-driven, but it is about God and what he has been doing in his church. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again, and at the end, you're going to say hallelujah spontaneously as if you thought it up yourself. Here we go. It's not about Rick Warren, it's not about Purpose Driven, but it's about God and what he's been doing in our midst. That was just the right time for a hallelujah. Well done, everybody. It's a win-win because it's all about God and what he's been doing in our church. And the number one thing that we have been learning is something that every single person in this church this morning, everyone in this room really needs to understand, really needs to understand, it's this, that it's all about God and not me. Each of us need to come to that point of saying in our lives, it's all about God, not me. The Bible says God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. Everything goes pear-shaped in life when we think that it is our story. It's not our story, it's his story. History is his story. And I will never understand my life properly until I get the truth deep in my being that life is not about me dancing. 
to my tune. But it's about me dancing to God's tune and not expecting God to dance to mine. Can you imagine what the world would be like if God danced to our tune? If he did what we wanted? Anarchy by the end of the day. But can you imagine, turning on its head for a moment, can you imagine what it would be like if we did what he asked? That's heaven. Not when you die, but heaven here and now. And the church's mission is to create as much of heaven as we possibly can here on earth. If God did it our way, there would have been no cross on Good Friday. See, the disciples were adamant that they didn't want Jesus to die. They thought they knew best. And if God had done it their way, there would have been no Good Friday, which means there would have been no Easter Sunday. And without Easter Sunday, we would still be lost. Lost without God and lost without hope. The fundamental lesson we can learn in life is that it's all about God not me. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. How fantastic for Hannah and Charlotte to have discovered this early in their lives that it's about God. Charlotte said it took nine years. There are many of us here and it's taking a lot longer for us to come to that place of recognizing ultimately it's not me, it's God. It's not my story, it's his story. And if I want to be part of history making, I can only be a history maker if I put my life into his story. Easter's not about us. It's about God. It's not about something we've done, but about something God did. It's about something God did because we couldn't do it ourselves. It didn't matter how much we tried, heaven was beyond us. It didn't matter how far we reached, we could never reach God by ourselves. So the Bible says God reached down to us because we couldn't reach up to him. And when Jesus died on the cross, his arms were out, something like this. But you might understand it, the one hand was clinging on to God in heaven, and the other hand was open, inviting you and me to take hold, that through his death, he might bring us together. But you know, one thing's really important. If you don't hold on to this hand, you can never be brought back to God. And sometimes we're too stubborn in this life. I'll do my thing, and I'll do my thing my way, and we never take hold of that hand. It's a fatal mistake not to take hold of that hand. And just to prove that Jesus' death did exactly what he said it would do, he came back to life three days later as proof, a guarantee of who he was and what he has done. And so the fantastic miracle was beginning of God bringing people back to himself, of God changing people's lives, and the miracle didn't end there, but it goes on. And we've been learning that God still does miracles here in our church. The miracle of knowing him every day. The miracle of waking up each morning and knowing that God loves me. The miracle of, of, of him bringing good things out of bad situations of his forgiveness, of his cleansing, his healing, his liberation of all the things that screw our lives up. Our God still does miracles, changing our lives from glory into glory. You are the God of miracles and wonders. 
and you still demonstrate your awesome power. There was a workman that worked in a factory. And at the end of the working day, he pushed his wheelbarrow out towards the factory gates. And the security guard stopped him and said, hey, what you got in there? The man said, I've got a box, a small box. And he did. He just had a small box in the wheelbarrow. The security guard said, I can see it's a small box. What's in the small box? The man explained that at the end of the working day, they would sweep up all the sawdust that was left on the factory floor and throw it away. And he was simply taking some home for his rabbits. Open the box. So he opened the box, and sure enough, inside, there was just this little box in the wheelbarrow, there was a pile of sawdust. Go on, off you go. The second day, the third day, the fourth day, Now the fifth day, he's doing exactly the same. He's pushing the wheelbarrow out towards the security gate and the same security guard stops him and says, hey, where do you think you're going with that? He says, it's just a small box. The security guard says, I can see it's a small box. What's in the small box? He says, I've told you already, it's the sawdust from the floor I'm taking off my rabbits. Open the box. So he opens the box and sure enough, inside is the sawdust. This time though, after five days, the security guard's not convinced. And he says, I don't know what it is, but I'm just convinced that you're stealing something and I just can't work it out. I promise not to report you if you'll tell me what you're stealing. The man looked him in the eye and said, wheelbarrows. (laughs) So often we are focused on the small detail. We're focused on the little thing that we cannot see the big picture. And it's like that in our lives. We're focused on the detail. Are the kids' clothes ready for school? Has the car tax been renewed? Where are we going to meet after work? How did that appraisal go? Who's taking the cats to the vet? Shall we build a conservatory next year? People spend all their lives busy and active, focused on the detail. And when they get to the end of their lives, they look back and they have no idea what it was all about because they never saw the big picture. I want to ask you this Easter just to spend a few moments with me. We've only got a few moments left. To think about the big picture of your life. You see, if you never think about the big picture, you end up with what I call Columbus Syndrome. When he set off, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he came home, he didn't know where he'd been. We need to understand the big picture to make sure our lives are not like that. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, he reminded us that this is not the real thing. The real thing is the life that's coming. And so we've been learning that life is a preparation for eternity. This is not it. And yet sometimes we cling to this life as if it's all there is, but it isn't. You see, if my life is a book, then my time on earth is simply the preface before the true story gets underway. If my life is a musical score, my time here on earth is just the first note. The big picture question is not whether you've got this life all sorted and looking great, but whether you're ready for the real thing when it comes. And so we set about in this life doing things that get us ready for the next Because actually when we do things in this life that get us ready for the next life, we find ourselves doing the things in this life that really matter. Because the things in this life that will last are the things that get us ready for the life that's coming. 
And so we've been looking at the big picture here in our church over these last six weeks. The things that we can do in our lives, the five things we can do in our lives that really matter because they will last, not just for this life, but for the life that is to come. These five things. Firstly, that I was planned for God's pleasure. That's what we've been learning together. And the Bible word for that is... Oh, heaven, help us. That's a freebie, all right? Be ready for the next one. I was planned for God's pleasure. The Bible calls that worship. I was formed for God's family. The Bible calls that... Thank you very much. You see, those are the two main focuses for our lives. To worship God and to be part of His family. Those are the things that are going to last forever. Do what you like with this life, but most of it won't last till the end of the week. This stuff lasts for eternity. Thirdly, I was created to become like Christ. The Bible calls that discipleship. A churchy word. Becoming like Jesus. And fourthly, I was shaped to serve God. The Bible calls that ministry. And finally, I was made for a mission. The Bible calls that evangelism. You see, you can do what you want with your life. Honest, you can. You can do what you like. And in our world, actually, we celebrate people doing what they want. If you're kind of weird and wacky, you will make the news. Do what you like with this life. But most of what we do will come to a very sudden end. But there are some things that you can do that will go on forever. Think about the big picture of this Easter. Jesus rose again to remind us that the life that is coming is the real thing, not this one. So give yourself to those things that will last forever. If you're completing the outlines then you will know that we've learned that we grow through making commitments. We grow through making commitments. Charlotte and Hannah will grow because of today. And they've taken a stand and made a commitment that many of us admire. And sometimes we admire it because we know it's a commitment we're being asked to make but haven't made it yet. I want to ask you this morning, to let Charlotte and Hannah's example encourage you in the commitment that you know you should make, but you haven't actually done it yet. Maybe it's to become a Christian. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to become a church member. Maybe it's to trust God in a particular area of your life. You'll know what it is. And maybe today, through their example, it's the encouragement that you need to make the commitment that you know God's asking of you. And maybe, who knows, one day some people will stand up on this platform and they'll begin their story by saying, it all began that day, Easter Sunday, when Hannah and Charlotte got baptised. Remember what we've learnt. Now, remember how we've learnt that we grow through making commitments and that we grow through fellowship with one another and that people are hungry for spiritual truth. And you might want to write those down to look at those later. Now what? Now what? For all of us, now what? Start living what you've learned. Let's get on with it. Let's wholeheartedly live for God's pleasure. Isn't it a joy in those moments when you feel God's pleasure? 
When you do something and you sense God's presence, what Eric Liddell said when he ran in that film Chariots of Fire, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I tell you, there's nothing greater in life than to feel God's pleasure. So go, live wholeheartedly for God's pleasure. Let's go and work at belonging to his family. Let's make this the greatest expression of church family we ever believed was possible. Let's be committed to becoming like Christ every day, being like him now, but more like him tomorrow, and more like him in a year's time from now. And let's use all that God has given us to serve him. And then let's get out there in mission and pass it all on. And do you know what would happen if we did those things? Just those five things. It would be like heaven here in this church. Interested in that? Heaven in this community here? It's not beyond our wildest dreams. The Bible says that as you commit yourself to God's purpose, heaven comes to earth with the prayer that his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, here and now, in your life and mine. So for those of you who are part of our community here, let's go do it. For those of you who are here this morning and you're not sure what it's all about, I'm asking you to think about the big picture. Don't get so caught up in the detail of your life that you come to the end of your days and you look back and you think you weren't really sure what it was all about. Remember this. Jesus came back from the dead to remind us that what matters most is the life that's coming. Psalm 126 says, The Lord has done spectacular things for us. Easter, the most fantastic example of that. How can we know all this? How can we know all this and live the same old way? Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah.